God has been so good to Living Hope over the last 40 years, but it's important to understand that there were several times along the way when it would have been possible, maybe even reasonable, for the people of Living Hope to have gotten discouraged and given up and walked away from this mission that God has given us. And it very easily could have, could have been a Bowling Green without a Living Hope Baptist Church. But there were mature believers. There were men, women, and children who chose to trust God and the promises of His Word and who persevered through challenges, through difficulties, through pain, and simply trusted God. And that's what a mature believer is. A mature believer is not someone who knows a bunch of information. A mature believer is someone who is able to trust God, even when there may be no earthly reason to do so. I read a devotion every day by L.B. Cowman, and uh, he talks about mature believers like this. Uh, he, he speaks of their capacity to believe. Oh, I don't know if that's working. We have. This is what he says. We have taken a great step toward maturity when we trust God without relying on anything but God's word. We'll read that again. We have taken a great step toward maturity when we trust God without relying on anything but God's word. We got. Uh, information this weekend about one of our missionary partners in India. A man had come to saving faith in Christ. He was now uh, sharing the gospel and he had become the leader of a church. He was actually serving as a pastor of a church there in India. And this last week, uh, the authorities came and took him and beat him and threatened him and the life of his family if he continued to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they released him, and he went home, and he gathered all his neighbors, and he told them uh, what they said, and then he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be praying for this brother. We need to be asking God to help him. And we need to be inspired by this brother. We need to understand that this is not a man who is, who's an educated person. Uh, I, I look at this individual and I think, uh, how unbelievably strong he is. I mean, here I am with multiple degrees. I can read the Bible in its original languages. I can walk through systematic theologies. This man can't do this, but yet his faith makes mine seem minuscule. Because he's a true believer. He is a mature believer. He is someone who's trusting in God's word and his promises no matter what may come. In our text, what we see God doing with Joshua is preparing him for the battles that are ahead. We see God letting Joshua know, and us, that so long as we are faithful to God, there will always be problems. There will always be conflict. There will always be challenges. And they'll come typically in, in one of three forms. Uh, the scripture speaks of trials, crosses, and, and thorns. Now, trials are situations that can cause us to doubt and give up on God. But these trials are, these are opportunities for our faith. James wrote, James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So as a believer, here's what you need to know. You're going to have trials. You're going to go through these situations where the enemy, the evil one, will cause you and, and maybe tempt you to doubt in God. Remain faithful. 
Not only will we have trials, we'll also have crosses. Crosses are different. Crosses are burdens we choose to bear because we are living in obedience to God, but that, we, that might cause us to want to give up on God. A cross is something we choose. A cross may be a, a, a point of service in the church. It may be a, a sacrifice financially. It may be a, a conversation that you don't want to have. It may be standing up and being bold for your faith in your workplace or, or, or somewhere else. It's, it's something that you choose to do. And this is commanded of us. Christ said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We are all to carry crosses. We are all to make choices, to carry burdens that will require sacrifice on our part. This is what it means to follow Jesus. We will have trials, we will have crosses, but we will also have thorns. Now, what are thorns? Uh, thorns are, are maybe painful people, problems, or issues that can cause us to doubt and give up on God. These are things that are allowed by God that we wouldn't choose. They're, they're, they're not trials, they're not whole seasons, but they're specific things that dig into us, that, that, that cause pain and difficulty. And many times we will ask God to remove those things that are causing the pain, and many times He won't. And He does that because He loves us. Most of us have thorns in our lives, and these thorns are gifts. Listen to what Paul said about the thorn in his life. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. The Apostle Paul had been given a special blessing of God, and it would have been very easily, humanly speaking, fleshly speaking, for him to fall into pride. And so God graciously gave him a thorn. Now, we don't know what that thorn was. Under God's providential care, the, the information is limited. So we don't know what the thorn was, which I think is good because the reality is we're going to all have different kinds of thorns. And they are there to humble us and to keep us dependent upon Christ. And so we see in our text, Paul, I'm sorry, God speaking to Joshua and saying, listen, you've got to get ready. And so we, as a church family, coming upon 40 years of God's provision, we need to be looking forward and asking ourselves, what's next? Here's what we can be sure of. There will be trials. There will be crosses. There will be thorns. But if we will follow God's Word, He will provide. And that's what we want to see today. Our text prepares us for these trials, crosses, and thorns. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to Joshua chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you or under your seat. Feel free to use it. And go now to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Alex Pratt will be uh, providing our reading today. So let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And he's going to read for us verse 9, which will be the last verse of this series this month. I'll see you what, brother, read that for us. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Alex. Well done. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Being frightened and dismayed is a normal part of life in this fallen world. If there's never a time when, when you don't feel the temptation to be frightened, uh, it must be because you are not paying attention. 
There is a lot in this year's political process to leave us all frightened a little bit, wouldn't you say? There's, there's a little bit of uncertainty in our economy at all times. There's, there's often inconsistency between the words and the deeds of those that, that are in leadership over us. All of that, that would lead us to feel a little bit frightened. And there's also plenty for us to be dismayed about. If you never are dismayed, it must be because you don't have relationships with real people. Because if you know and rely on real people, here's what you're, you're going to find. You're going you're gonna to find that, that sometimes they're not trustworthy. You're going to find that, that sometimes they don't appreciate you. They don't value life. They don't value human dignity. You'll find sometimes that, that they have more authority than they take responsibility. And they, they, they will sometimes want to use you or other people. And if you're around people, sooner or later, there's going to come a point when, when you might be tempted to be dismayed. But our scripture is very clear. We are to be strong and courageous. And we are to have confidence because of he who is with us. Look what the scripture says. Be strong. And then to, to, to emphasize that, he says, do not be frightened. If you are strong, there's never a time that you need to be frightened. Now, what does it mean to be strong? We, we, we've heard this. We've learned this in the first week of this series. Uh, to be strong is depending on God rather than created things. Some of you in this room, you are very gifted people. You're very knowledgeable. You have a, a, a really, really a quality competency in yourself. But here's something you need to know. If you are depending on you, you're a very weak person. Because you're not going to bat a thousand. If you are depending upon a government or a job, or your looks, or your health, or your money, or any created thing, you need to understand you are in a very weak position. Because sooner or later, all those things are going to fail you. You know who will never fail? God Almighty. He will never fail. His purpose is always proven true. He is always right. And when we come to God and say, God, I am weak, I need you, it's in that moment we are never stronger. Because when our dependence is upon the Almighty, then His strength is in us. And we are strong. And He says, be strong. Do not be frightened. And then He says, be courageous. Do not be dismayed. If you're courageous, you won't be dismayed. Now, what does it mean to be courageous? It's, it's fearing God rather than creating things. We have, we have no reason to fear anything so long as we fear God. There is none like our God. He is the Almighty. He is the maker and sustainer of all things. And there is no man, no system, no created thing that can stand against Him. And so long as our confidence and our hope and our strength is in Him, then, then we are we are capable of having courage to deal with any situation. So when we have this strength and this, this courage, then, then we can be confident. It says, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What, is, what does it mean to be confident? It's refusing to be frightened or just made in light of God's promises and presence. If you know God is the God and He loves you, then no matter what you go through, you can always be confident because of Him. God calls us to be strong 
and courageous and confident. We see that in the early church in the book of Acts. We have seen that here at Living Hope for the past 40 years. We will need to live out what we see in the scripture, specifically in Acts as it pertains to the actions of the church, and we must trust God to find strength and courage in order that we might have confidence to go forward. And and I want to encourage you to to have that, but the question that, that should come to our minds is this, well, what does it look like? What does it look like to be strong and courageous and to have confidence? This is where the Word of God reveals to us uh, that, that, that these qualities and things that we, we will have active in our lives if we are truly strong and courageous. And they're found in the book of Acts. You might want to take your Bible and go over to Acts 4 and 5. I'm going to put them on the screen, but they might be helpful for you to to acquaint yourself where their location is. Um, And and I also want to encourage you to take notes as we look at what this early church was doing and what it is we must do as a church going forward in the next 40 years. When we do these things, we can know that we are being strong and courageous. We can know we are being strong and courageous. Write this down. When we are, in, we are encouraged and confident to speak the truth in love. To speak the truth in love. In Acts chapter 4, we see the early church being told by the authorities not to proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But they were not willing to listen to them. And so we see this conflict. In the beginning of verse 18, uh, look what happened. So they called them and charged them, them being the authorities, charged them, that is the apostles, John and Peter, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They said, listen, I know you're saying it's against the law. Sorry, we don't have a choice. We have to tell people what Jesus Christ has done that he has died for the sins of all who believe, and that he has been raised and he is coming again. The authorities were telling them that you must stop, but they, they were so compelled because of the strength and the courage that they had the confidence to speak the truth in love. And the truth is this, Jesus is God. He died for sins. He has been raised. He's coming again. And all who will repent and believe in him will be saved. We are to proclaim this. We are to proclaim this no matter what our circumstance may be. And I don't know if you saw this news in Russia, but last month Russia signed into law this new reality where Christians are no longer allowed to speak publicly of their faith in Jesus Christ. They can speak of Him in their homes and even in their places of worship, but they are no longer allowed legally to, to evangelize in the streets, evangelize at work, evangelize in public places. And what bothers me is I, I hear in the language that Russia used, I hear it in some of the language of our leaders here in the United States these days. I hear leaders speaking of the freedom of worship. And what you'll hear them basically saying is, hey, you can worship in your home, you can worship in your place of worship, but don't bring that into the public square. Don't talk about what you believe as it pertains to to our school system or to our laws or to our legal issues. Don't speak of your faith. I'm going to tell you something, friends. Don't get me talking about America this morning, but I'm telling you, we we have a Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights says that we have the freedom of not worship privately, but the freedom of religion to speak of what we believe. And we must, we must use that. But what happens if they remove that right from us? 
I, I prayed on that a little bit last month. And, and I thought, Lord, what would happen if they removed the, the, the First Amendment, the, 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 that Bill of Rights, and we no longer had the freedom of religion? Here's a question. Would that change the lifestyle of the majority of the members of Living Hope in any way? I mean, are we really sharing Jesus where we live? Are we talking about Jesus where we work? Where we hang out, where we go to school? We talk about sports, we talk about politics, we talk about movies, we talk about TV shows. Do we talk about Jesus? I mean, really, if the law that has been enacted in Russia was enacted here, would it change anything about your life today? See, God has called us to make disciples. And the way you do that is by telling people about Jesus. And it's, it's not complicated. We have this wonderful tool we call it the three circles. And, and you know how it works? Let me tell you, because some of you are still kind of confused on how this works. Let me just tell you how it works. Tomorrow, Tuesday, every day this week, I, I can't guarantee it, but I am quite certain that someone that you know is going to complain about something that's going on in the world. Make sure it's not you. we got enough Debbie Downers in the room. We don't need any more in the world, all right? Keep it up. Keep positive, because your hope is in Jesus. But let's say someone complains about something. Here's what you need to say. You know what? The world just is not as it should be. And you know what everyone does? Everyone says, you know, you're exactly right. The world just not is just not as it should be. And here's what you need to say. You want to know why? Because God's design is that there be harmony. That we should have peace with everyone. That the world should be filled with love. But it's not. Why? Because of sin. And that sin leads to brokenness. That's why there's conflict. That's why there's poverty. That's why there's pain. That's why there's disease. That's why there's death. But you know what? God didn't abandon us in our sin. Instead, God himself came to rescue us from our sin. And God has come and lived the holy life we couldn't. He died to pay for our sins. He has been raised. And if we will repent of trying to trust in ourselves and instead choose to believe that Jesus Christ is God and that he is alive, he will not only forgive us, he will give us a new life and we can pursue and recover God's design. That needs to be a conversation that every member of Living Hope has with somebody every single day. And if it becomes illegal, y'all will need to come and get a lot of us out of jail. I pray that's true. But you know what? Why it's legal now? Why wouldn't we be doing that? Here's what we need to know. Going forward in the next 40 years, we need our whole church to be sharing the three circles every single day with somebody. Every single day, someone's going to say something negative that's going on in the world. And every single day, we need to be sharing the gospel, our hope in Jesus Christ. Not only that, we can know that we are being strong and courageous when we are encouraged and confident to give both tithes and offerings. At the end of verse chapter 4 and beginning of verse 5, we see a very different, a very strong and distinct difference in trust and in lifestyle between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. Beginning in verse 34 of chapter 4, look what it says. There was not a needy person among them, that is the church. For as many as were owners of lands or houses and sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him 
them, and, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought it, only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? What we see here are two drastically different approaches to life. You have Barnabas who trusts God and Ananias and Sapphira who don't. See, Barnabas trusts God, and he does so with his finances, and he doesn't feel the need to hold anything back, wondering if God's really going to take care of him. Because he trusts God, he gladly gives, trusting in God's provision. And in Ice and Sapphire, not so much. They're willing to give, but only as much as they can still know that, that if it really comes down to push comes to shove, they still got enough to be in control of what happens to them. God is calling us to trust Him. And I know that there are so many of our membership who struggle to trust God as it pertains to their finances. I know that. I just want to encourage you. You can trust God. You can trust God not only with your immortal soul, your eternal life. You can trust Him with your paycheck. You can trust Him to provide for you. And I know that's scary for some of you. I want to encourage you to be like Miss Levesey. Mildred Levesey was one of the founders of Living Hope. I, I have such an admiration for her. Uh, when I first preached, my very first sermon was here at Living Hope 15 years ago this weekend. And after the 11 o'clock service, Miss Levesey took me and, and my wife, Carrie, and Mackenzie, who at the time was four, and Jackson, who was at the time two, to Mariah's restaurant. And we didn't get thrown out or anything. It was great. And, and I came to see a, a godly saint who simply trusted in God. She not only was generous in her life, but she was also generous in her death. We realized a few years ago that we needed another mission house, and we raised about $40,000, which wasn't nearly enough. And Ms. Levesey went to be with the Lord, and we found out that she had left a, a large sum of money to the church in her will. So there is now a second mission house that Living Hope owns where missionaries are using week in, week out, and she will be a blessing to untold numbers of missionaries for years to come. And friends, that's her legacy. Now, I realize for some people you think, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in doing that. But I know some of you are. And it, it's really a question of how do I do that? We have a resource, and there's something in your bulletin that will teach you how to do it. It's something that many of us have used and gone through. It's, it's estate planning, but it's through a company called Philanthropor. The pastor at Eastwood down the street uh, showed it to me. It's something they've been doing for a number of years, and so we've been using it. And it's a great tool, and I want to encourage you to use it and, and learn from it. But, but, but what I really want you to think about is right now, not just at the end of your life, but right now, here's what I know about many of you. You're not giving financially to God. And, and I don't want to beat you up on this. I don't want to. Here's what I want to encourage you to do beginning today. Start giving something. Get $5. Give something and trust God with that. If you're giving something now, but you don't really know how much you're giving, except at the end of the year when they send you your tax information, let me, let me ask you to start doing Begin to right now become a percentage giver. Start with 1%. Just do simple math. Just move the decimal point one, one little right, 
and, and our people, and give that to, to God. Now, some of you are beginning to give a percentage, and you're beginning to grow. Here's what I encourage you to do. Begin to give, get to the point where you are giving at a minimum 10%. Just make that a normal part of your life. Let it be the first fruits. Trust the promises of Malachi. That if you will, if you will trust him, then he will prove that he will prove himself trustworthy. Some of you are tithing. I want to encourage you to continue to grow in your generosity and to give offerings. There's tithes, there's offerings. There's something you give beyond just a tithe. And that offering, I would encourage you to, to look at, yes, the gift for Christ, and, and yes, the International Mission Board, and, and yes, church plants, and different things that we do here at Living Hope. I would also encourage you to look at FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, to look at CREW, what, what Thomas Weekly has been leading here at Western Kentucky for years, or, or some other evangelistic uh, opportunity where you can not just tie to God's work in the kingdom through your churches, you are required to from the Word, but also to, to give to, to something else that God's doing in the world. And, and if you're already doing that, here's what I want to challenge you again, to begin to regularly give a percentage to something beyond your regular tithe and offering. Why? When you're giving, you're growing. Giving requires faith. And, and when you give, your faith begins to grow. And God wants our faith to grow. And I know this is one of the most difficult areas for some of you. And that's why I would say to you, begin it now. Begin it now to grow in this area. And as you do, be mindful that you need to grow in two ways. And it's, and it's here, it's also a descriptor of how we can know that we are being strong and courageous. Is when we are encouraged and confident to be deep and wide. To grow in depth and width in our lives, as the early church did. Look at the beginning of Acts chapter 4. Look at the beginning of verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So this is when uh, Peter and John were, were doing what, what the authorities told them not to do, and they were proclaiming Christ. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So, look at this. They were proclaiming the gospel, and they counted 5,000 men. That didn't include the women and children. There was a depth of maturity that existed within uh, these apostles, because they were willing to trust God no matter what it required of them. But there was also a wit, because they were... They were willing to talk with those who didn't know God, who needed shallow entry points into the kingdom of heaven. Every church and every life needs to be deep and wide. Deep in trusting and being transformed by the power of God and wide with the influence that we have in, in the lives of those who are not yet believers or new believers. God calls us to be deep and wide deep in our obedience and wide in our influence. Please remember, depth does not equal knowledge. I have known many, many people who have many, many degrees, who can talk about the Bible in its original language, who have who've written systematic theologies, who have, but their faith and their life transformation was almost kneel. I look at some of the people and the places where we go throughout the world to share the gospel, and I see the faith of the maturity of those believers, and I see depth 
Let me tell you what depth is. Depth is when you know Jesus and love Jesus and obey Jesus. I've been saying this through the whole series, and I want to finish with this. To know Jesus is to love Jesus, which will always result in obedience to Jesus. So I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? I don't mean... I don't mean in a flannel graph way where you can put Jesus up and say, I know who he is, I know it. No, no, no. Do you know Jesus in your heart? Do you know that you trust him? Do you know that he is raised from the dead, died for your sins, alive in you? Do you know Jesus? And if you know him, do you love him? Do you love him more and more as you see him more clearly in the word and in your life? So how, what, is, what does that mean? That means that you obey him more. Are you obeying Him more in every aspect? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you giving? Are you believing? Are you trusting? Are you really growing deep and wide? If not, please understand it has nothing to do with your willpower. It has everything to do with your love. Because if you know Jesus and you love Jesus, you will obey Jesus. If you're not obeying Jesus, it's because you don't love Jesus. And if you don't love Jesus, it's because you don't know Jesus. Friends, some of you today need to come to know Jesus. And by that, I mean you need to come and get on your knees and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin and take over my life. I want to know you and live for you. Some of you are God's dear children, but your love of Jesus, maybe it's grown cold or maybe it's gotten complicated, your life. And instead of putting it first, you put other things first. Today, you need to come and get on your knees and say, God, I put other things in front of you. Jesus, forgive me. You're first. You're my first love. And if you're struggling to obey Jesus, come and ask him to help you today. Say, Lord, help me in this aspect of my life. Help me to trust you with this situation, this circumstance. Make me a person who trusts in you alone so that I can be deep and wide, so that I will be found faithful. Let's pray together. Lord God, we all want to be found faithful. We, we want to enter into the next life, what's next, and hear you say, well done, good, good and faithful servant. But to do that, we have to know Jesus. We have to be saved by grace to faith. We have to love you, Lord Jesus, and in loving you, obey you. So Lord God, if there are any today who need to come and pray, hear their prayer, whatever the need, if it's for them or someone else, hear them as they pray in faith and grow them as they depend on you. Lord, we trust you and we celebrate you. Hear us now in Jesus' name. Amen.